Hey everyone, Matt Lowe here. Welcome to the 149th episode of Bouncing Back, a video series meant to give people who are looking for a job in this post-COVID job market an opportunity to sell themselves to new employers in the ad industry. And this is the 106th episode as part of my partnership with the Avail List, an unbelievable website that spotlights all the amazing talent in the ad industry who are ready to get back to work. For this episode, we have Brian Nuda Roche, who was most recently a project slash program manager at Play Studio. Now, Brian, happy to have you here. Hey. Thanks for having me. Yeah, maybe just start off by telling everyone how you've been dealing with the last two years, how you've been keeping busy, whatever you've been up to. Um, you know, I think like many of us, it's it's been a time to reflect, um, kind of reevaluate and position ourselves, myself, and you know, really where I want to be and what I want to be doing. Um, yeah, it's like kind of paying attention to mental and physical health and 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 creating something sustainable um you know the one thing i hear and you know at the beginning of the pandemic or when we had glimpses of hope of it ending or now as it's some things are winding down is when we get back to normal and that phrase has always been something that like i don't know it gets under my skin a bit because i'm like normal was not good like it wasn't (laughs) working for everyone before so you know i like to think about you know what a better future would look like uh, and kind of positioning myself in that zone and align with people who are doing that. Cause I still hear people saying, well, we return to normal and, you know, not that I veer away, but I just think that's an interesting outlook, but I, I am drawn to people who are not and people who are still steadfast on creating a better future. So, yeah, I saw that in your, your portfolio and your LinkedIn a little bit, that what is practicing that, you know, I was going to ask the new better rather than returning yeah. to the I, I heard that, I think, um, like uh, in, a, in an interview somewhere, I, I, I forget, now I'm forgetting who it was a very, but I keep hearing that, you know, like, what does a new better look like? What does a new future look like? Um, you know, rather than doing just that, returning to normal. So I'm drawn to creatives who are looking at it that way. I'm drawn to agencies and companies who are looking at it that way. I think there's been a big revelation and it's really inspiring when you find um, people who, who share that value and you can see it in their product or their branding, um, you know, see what they're doing and they're doing just that. Yeah, totally. No, I, I love that thought process. Maybe, maybe tell everyone a little bit about yourself, you know, some, some places you've worked, what type of stuff you've worked on. Yeah. 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 I'm based here in San Francisco. Um, recently at play, uh, it was a great team. Uh, we worked with clients who are looking at, you know, potential, like really future tech. Um, You know, it was, it was the first time in a while where, you know, as a, as an idealist and an artist and a creative, you kind of have this pessimistic world view sometimes just how crazy the world is. And this was a moment where the clients we were working with were um, leading innovation and technologies to solve a lot of problems. And, you know, I became very cautiously optimistic um, from their viewpoints. so I was recently there as a program manager, came in uh, midstream into multiple projects they were working on, just observed, took everything in. And then as we began bring, as we began bringing clients on from scope to delivery, uh, that's when I started you know, working on providing some structure, still leaving it loose enough for the way their creative um, worked and the way the designers work and the art directors work, but uh, built in some structure. Um, but I think you know, my story and how I got to that point is, is something that I think is a bit of a revelation or 
it's different. I have a very unconventional path. Uh, I come from an arts background. So, you know, a bit of kind of like where I came from. In 99, I moved to San Francisco um, as just a real naive and ambitious youth. All I, I had this, I had the mission of, I want to make art. I want to do art. I want to show art. It was just like art in all caps. Like that's who I wanted to identify as. That's what I wanted to do. And uh, shortly after arriving, I began organizing a bit more in the art community, uh, kind of producing events and happenings and situations. Uh, first, you know, kind of in a do-it-yourself DIY background, and then started working with organizations, uh, nonprofits and museums eventually. Um, then fast forward to 2013, we kind of hit a pinnacle peak of, of rent prices in San Francisco. There's kind of real struggle and conflict between art and tech. Uh, so rents were extraordinary. Um, artists were leaving in droves. Gallerists were closing down. Um, and these, some of these galleries were you know, established for a few decades here. Uh, and so there was a big problem. You know, we were just seeing the art scene really dismantle itself. So there were two VCs and uh, art, former VCs and art philanthropists who wanted to provide a solution. And I met with them and uh, was brought on as a founding director. And together we developed 150,000 square feet of purpose-built art infrastructure uh, to provide space for artists, galleries, art services. Um, so following the construction process of the art, of the, infra of the infrastructure, um, you know, it was very unique in that we were building for specific reasons you know, of what an artist's need or a gallerist's need would be. And once we populated with our community of artists, um, I oversaw the art program. Um, what really became clear was the resources we all each shared and the benefit and impact of working together, you know, alongside our individual art practices. Um, so this was also a really unique model, never had been done before, and it was not a nonprofit. So we looked at fundraising in a very different way, and we had to strategize in a very different way. And I um, supported the team in that, that, um, that effort, strategizing and thinking of ways to do something new. So we, we, we started working with brands, um, but rather in a make your donation to a nonprofit, we were building mutually beneficial relationships. So we worked with Adobe. They became long-term tenants in our artist program. So they're technologists and designers we're working alongside artists and creatives who are using their product. Um, we worked with a lot of other, a lot of other tech in the, the Bay Area, kind of to, to, to dismantle that conflict. You know, like there's technology that is applied to how you might be able to be creative or make art. But in the Bay Area, it was like the idea of tech displacing art was more of a focus. So we wanted to kind of bring it down to how people work and can work together. Um, we also worked with Liquitex to expand their um, artist research residency from London and to, to New York, um, to San Francisco where we were based um, to, to create an outlet uh, for artists to interact with their brand. And they were, this coincided with the release of their cadmium free paint. Um, it was the first cadmium free paint on the market. And their problem they're facing at the time is they're viewed more as a hobbyist brand. And so they really want to position themselves you know, as professional working artists. And so there was a launch, a product launch uh, that we collaborated with that did that. They positioned themselves as working with professional artists. Um, worked with a lot of great, a lot of great you know, organizations in that process. And in 2020, you know, this kind of moment of reevaluation, 
Um, I made the decision to move on. I'm still part of the program as an artist, but made the decision to move on to just, I was, I was really inspired by working with brands and I was like, what else can I do? Um, and at the time, Casey from Play uh, found me. I don't know, I forget how, um, through the internet. Um, and I came on board there and just was like a sponge to the branding process and it was really exciting. And, you know, now I'm looking for the next thing, like what's, what's happening next. Yeah. I love that background and wearing many different hats and all the different roles. And even I know on your LinkedIn, you kind of consider yourself an artist, a producer, a curator, an educator, which kind of leads me into my next question of, you know, what are you looking for in your next role? Is it back in the capital art world? Is it in a more agency environment with brands like you, you know, we're testing out at play, you know, where do you see yourself going? Yeah, it's a great question. Cause I think a lot of people look at what I'm doing and they're like, I don't know where to place you. And I think that's like, it, I have two different responses to my work, especially from recruiters. It's like those who understand the possibility and the potential. And those who are just like, I don't know where you fit <laughs> in. And that's great. Cause I can really like immediately be, I know where I'm heading. You're like, I'm not going in that direction. I'll go in this direction. So, I mean, but the clear answer would be, I really enjoyed working, you know, in an agency. Um, there's also something about in-house teams that I'm drawn to, uh, you know, the design in-house team of different organizations who are doing great innovative things. Um, and what would be really inspiring is to work in, in environments, either agency or in-house where um, I could use the strategic thinking background that I have to align relationships that are, again, mutually beneficial. Um, so if that's in-house, that might be, you know, like how do we build relationships between like maybe just the engineer and technology side who are not necessarily talking and speaking with and engaging with the design team? Like what are ways we can do that? So there's that project management program direction, you know, developing systems or ways that people can work together. That's at the foundation of my work. So, you know, the added bonus would be where can we think creatively to expand how we approach things um, is what I'm looking for. Yeah, I love that. You know, the ability to be the project manager who, you know, can help funnel the working process and understand who needs to be connected to make the best possible work. Then also having the creative hat on that you can also chime in on, on some work sometimes and come with your artistic background and not only streamline the work, but also give, you know, potential suggestions or, you know, smart, smart thoughts and, and, and builds on, on whatever the work already is. Seems like a, a perfect combination. Yeah, you, it's unique, though. You know, it's like, it's like oh, finding that, that niche, you know, like I've had some great conversations with uh, some great agencies and in-house teams. It's just a matter of finding that perfect fit. Totally. Do you have a favorite project you've worked on? You know, I think my, my love and investment of my whole self was uh, at Minnesota Street Project, the, uh, the arts infrastructure project. I, I, cause it, I just became immersed in a community that I was able to kind of nurture and then watch grow collectively. And when I left, it was like a moment of let's let's provide the opportunity for the community to self-govern. So those that that was one of my favorites. Um, but recently, the work at play, um, kind of learning something new. It was like I I understood the creativity, but to see the process was really enlightening. And I think that just expands my ability to kind of um, add more of my talent and. For, diverse background into my next role. Yeah, for, for sure. Do you, are you open to freelance and full-time? Do you prefer one over the other? Yeah, freelance, full-time, you know, like 
I have a family. I'm in San Francisco. So there's that draw to full time. But then, you know, I've always juggled many projects at once. So freelance can also work and maybe provide other flexible opportunities. And you want in, in person, remote, you know, something in San Francisco? Yeah. You know, like, obviously, if it's a hybrid, it needs to be Bay Area. Um, I don't, I think that there are moments when being together definitely works. You know, like the, there's a big, there's a huge benefit in that, in that um, capacity for, for collaboration. But, you know, we've also learned many ways to do it remotely. And, um, you know, so I prefer remote, but Bay Area based. I also would love to go somewhere a few days a week to engage in that. I think I am missing that quite a bit, um, you know, extroverted mainly, but then I also am very introverted in times where I just need the time to focus and you know consider you know myself um in that way yeah being able to have both which now a lot of offices do you know come in three days a week and then have time to be yourself put your head down and work i think that the, it's the perfect balance having the you know opportunity to do both yeah now because yeah. i do agree in person at least you know i'm going back four times a week is way more productive you can bounce ideas off you're not kind of self funneling ideas you know you're you're not filtering yourself because you're remote and you don't want to send a long email explaining ideas versus in person you just kind of yeah out so it's yeah it's tough i i, I love being in person but it is nice you know for a friday or thursday to, to be at home put your head down and, and really work yeah yeah what will a yeah. company you know, not always it's also not always like nine to five exactly you know like if you have a family or if you also want to maintain your mental and physical health like the breaks that you need to take or the attention you need to place elsewhere doesn't make you less of an employee. It just means that maybe there is a time at night when everyone's asleep that you can crank out an hour or two and be more productive than being fully active nine to five. So it's just a matter of like learning how you want to work and then learning how your team works and finding where that, that blend is. Totally. And I'm sure maybe project management wise, it's a, it's a bit tougher on you when everyone's spread out with some person yeah. hey i'm grabbing you i'm grabbing you go talk but remote that's maybe a little more difficult yeah well there there was one thing that you know when i joined play everyone was west coast so it was san francisco a few in la um we had i think there was someone in new york you know so pretty centralized north america time zones um but you know there was this hesitation should we hire in other countries and I was like, hell yeah, like we could work around the clock. Yeah. You know, so we had someone in Australia, we had someone in London, you know, so we would pass things off and then you'd wake up the next morning for your work day. And that um, presentation was like done, you know, like you had to do just a quick look over, but it wasn't like start an hour early to get this thing done for the client by nine or 10 AM. It was complete. Let's review it. Okay. looks good. We present it an hour later and we're not all scrambling. So um, there's some benefit to the remote work. Yeah, I, I love that. I've heard so many cases like Jake and Logan Paul. That's what they do. I was listening to one of their first editors a few weeks ago. And he said they would shoot in LA. They would at seven o'clock turn off, send it to an editor in London who would just be waking up, pick it up, edit while they're sleeping and then flip it over to them. And by the time they wake up at 9 a.m., the final yeah. in their inbox ready to be posted. Just like yeah, ready for delivery. There's <laughs> something very smart you know, in that. And, and I think, you know, there are so many agencies now work at BBDL, we're a global agency and we rely on, on all our agencies around the world to kind of do stuff like that. And it, it makes so much sense, you know, it's, it's yeah. 
Yeah, no, it does. It does. What will a company be getting if they did, you know, reach out and hire you full time? Oh, now is the time I need to sell myself, huh? Yeah, let's, let's um, do it. I mean, I think you got my vibe already. Totally. You know, it's like, um, you know, like let's put some adjectives together. Uh, you know, a real creative, strategic thinker. You know, able to solve very ambiguous problems. Um, a great collaborator. Uh, a con constant learner. You know, like I just. I mean, it's a whole life to continue learning. Um, I love archiving research and, you know, kind of keeping things in reachable distance to constantly refer back to. So, um, you know, but you get, uh, as you said, I wear many hats. I roll up my sleeves, I get in there and I'm able to get a lot done and efficient. Um, so yeah, does that sum it up pretty good? <laughs> many hats, yeah. literally and figuratively. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, that, that's awesome. The last question really for me is if there's a dream client, agency, brand, someone you want to give away. Yeah, list. you know, there's there's a lot of companies I'm drawn to. Um, you know, I think they're they're kind of the obvious ones um, that are doing great future forward stuff, uh, making great products. Um, I guess I could just do one anecdote of like, I've been talking with Collins recently and from an agency standpoint, I think they... Uh, they're kind of like in this moment right now where Brian Collins is just really able to articulate what they're about, how they work and what they're doing. And I've just been really inspired by a lot of interviews uh, with him articulating just that. And the biggest thing that, I, that I'm drawn to is they, they talk about and mention, you know, they're not looking for people who just fit in. You know, they're a group of misfits. Their team is from varied backgrounds. And um, you know, it's very inspiring to work with, with those, but, uh, you know, the other thing that he emphasizes is their library and references and, and being inspired by not only design, but poetry and dance performance, philosophy and, and art. And I, I find that so refreshing in the digital age that they will spend time in an actual library there where they have their, their archive of books and physically look at things to be inspired. Whereas right now, most of us do mood boards yeah. from Googling, swiping images, and you know, we have our folders for different types of vibes. And it's, it's really inspiring to see someone do it in an analog way. So, you know, wherever I'm, wherever I'm going to land, I hope they appreciate that philosophy of how they work and how people can come together and do great things in that environment. Yeah, super cool they're doing that. And I, and I agree, there's something really nice about, about seeing that and doing doing that. I lied, not my last question. What do you do outside of work? Oh man, you know, it's a, outside of work, I'm primarily with family. Um, and we, I mean, my wife is a rock star and during the day is out with three kids most of the day. Um, we just had a baby nine months ago. So Congrats. we have an 11 year old, a, a five year old and a nine month year old. and you know, I'll be at home working or right now, you know, doing my research and trying to land an exposition and, and she's out with the kids. But when we're all together, we're hiking all around Northern California, just outside, going to the beach, getting in the water, um, you know, skateboarding, recently had a skateboard injury. So um, at my age, I think, you know, the time to, <laughs> to like, you know, my kids have started. So it's just like passing it on. Yeah. Hanging it up. But uh you know, that and when I have time to get into my studio and make art, you know, and 
man, I listen to a lot of music and I'm constantly looking for new things. And um, unfortunately, I haven't been digging into my record collection enough. Ironically, as I talk about, you know, the analog versus digital, it's been more what I find online. But um, yeah, just that's kind of my general vibes. Awesome. Yeah, super cool. I can clearly tell you're, you know, passionate about all of this stuff. So hopefully yeah. someone listening will feel the someone same. Someone listening, right let's do cool shit, you know? <laughs> as easy as that. Yeah, that's all. I, yeah, do cool that's, shit. That's it for me, man. I appreciate you hopping on, doing something like this. Hey, stuff out there. Thank you. Appreciate what's it, the, Matthew. Yeah, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Um, you know, my website's my name, briannudaroche.com, B-R-I-O-N-N-U-D-A. ROSCH.com. You can check me out on LinkedIn. Um, and I just, uh, I just built a website called, uh, it's, it's awesome fun, uh, dot X, Y, Z. And that's kind of a, I, I did a new format of what a portfolio would look like where I share my creative work plus my interest. And so you dive in there and you can click on links and, and be, you know, transported to different parts of the web that articulate what I do and what I like. Yeah. I love it. Well, that's a wrap for the 149th episode of bouncing back. You know, anyone who may want to sell themselves to recruiters looking for talent in the ad industry, have them shoot me a note at M-A-L-O-W-930 at gmail.com or check out the availlist.com for a large list of people who are ready to get back to work in the ad industry. You can check out all these episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts under Bouncing Back and Advertising. Thanks a lot, ma'am. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it.